This is Dr. Jonathan Shaw. I want to thank you for tuning in to Crown Ministries Podcast today. We hope that this message transforms you and encourages you to pursue God's presence in a greater way. Enjoy the message. That we will not sin against you. Father, your word doesn't need to be anointed. It's us who need you. So, Father, we need you today. I need you as the preacher of the word. Your people need you so that they can hear and receive the word. We all need you from the pulpit to the door. So have your way. In Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you. Somebody clap your hands and tell the Lord that you love him. Tell him that you love him. Tell him that you love him. Tell him that you love him. Get your Bibles. I want to share with you quickly. I don't have much voice, but I'm going to share with you with the little voice I have left. Um, the word that the Lord has given me and the, I'm going to try, and the overflow from the In His Presence gathering. The book of Amos, the book of Amos chapter number eight. The book of Amos chapter number eight. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 11. I also want you to get Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. So it's just the flip of the page, the next chapter. Amos chapter 8 verse 11 and then Amos chapter 9 verse 11. When you have the word of the Lord, say amen. It's also on the screens. Follow along with us. Listen to the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God. That I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread. Nor a thirst for water. But of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea. And from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro. To seek the word of the Lord. And shall not Go to chapter number 9, verse 11. Here's the reading. In that day will I raise up a tabernacle of David that is fallen and will close up the breaches thereof and I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old and that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. Amos 8 and 11, the days are going to come, saith the Lord God, I'm going to send a famine. But it's not going to be a famine for bread. It's not going to be a famine of water. It's going to be a famine of my word. And people are going to be walking around looking for a prophecy and can't find one. I want to talk to you this afternoon really quickly from a message simply entitled, A Word Famine. A Word Famine. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what happens in a word famine? Have your seats. Let's talk for a moment. What happens in a word famine? What 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 goes down in a word famine? 
This book of Amos is a very interesting book. He's one of the prophets. Uh, it's a prophetic book, what uh, theologians classify and scholars classify as a minor prophet. He's a minor prophet, but not minor in his message, just in his influence in the regions by which he prophesied and spoke. Um, sometimes people think they're minor prophets because their books are smaller than the other guys. But uh, that's not either why they consider them minor prophets. It's just because of the classification of the regions by which they spoke into the word of the Lord. The book of Amos is named after prophet Amos, and his name literally means a burden. A burden. His name means a burden. And I'm discovering something about this hour and this time that we're in that God is actually looking for people who have a burden. Because without a burden, there is no need for an anointing. A burden is, watch this, married to an anointing. What's the anointing? The anointing is God enabling you to do something in the earth that's going to glorify him. If you don't have a burden, then you don't need an anointing because the purpose of the anointing is to minister to the burden and the burden that you could have or the burden that you possess. God will anoint you to solve the problem of the burden. Do you know that God is a problem solver and he's looking throughout the earth for other problem solvers? You will always be remembered by two things, the problems you create and the ones that you solve. Touch your neighbor and say, be a problem solver. That can also help you to identify, I'm not going to be long, y'all, help you to identify what your purpose in life is. There's a lot of people walking around, Minister Smith, and I know you help college students, so maybe you can help some uh, saints. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't know why they're here. It's an age-old question. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is my career path? What assignment am I supposed to be fulfilling in my life? They don't know. Well, I always suggest my mentees, one of the ways to identify your purpose is to identify your burden. What is it that you see that when you see it, it irritates you, it frustrates you, you hate to see that, that it, it bothers you when you see it, that could be pointing to your burden. Or on the flip side, you can look at the things that you absolutely love. You love being around children. Oh, I just love these children. That could be pointing to your purpose. Everybody will not get the microphone in the pulpit and preach. I ain't got enough amens. Everybody will not be in the limelight. Everybody will not be in front of the camera because if everybody's in front of the camera, who's going to be behind the camera? Some people are going to be supportive helps and the supportive helps doesn't mean you serve a lesser role. It simply means you're secure in where you have been called. It doesn't mean that you're less than me because you're ushering and I'm preaching because we need ushers just as much as we need preaching. Y'all don't understand that because you need somebody to sit somebody in the seats and control the order of the house if you're going to listen to the preacher if the ushers are not in place then the preacher's job is of none effect and sometimes we magnify and celebrate more the people we see in the front but don't acknowledge the support crew who makes all of those front crews happen and they manifest he had a Burden and his burden was to prophesy and to speak the word of the Lord. Do me a favor, ask your neighbor, what's your burden? 
Have you identified your burden? Have you identified that thing that you wake up every morning and you says, I wish in the world that I could change this. I wish if I had enough money, I would do this. Uh, it's, it's your burden. It's that thing that irritates you and you try to find solutions to solve it. Uh, Prophetess Jennifer Mowbray is an educator. She's a teacher amongst many others in this room. She has a burden to see kids learn, to see children learn. Come on. It's more than a check, Pastor Moore, I'm sure, because they don't pay y'all enough. They don't pay our teachers enough. So to go for that little 20 cents they giving you and to go back every day to deal with some more frustrations and faculty and staff and kids and family and parents, you got to have a burden to return to that when you're not even paid enough for it. But I want to see the child educated so badly that I'll come back tomorrow to ensure that you've done your homework. When you've discovered your burden, it's not how much people pay you. It's getting the job done that becomes your compensation. It is accomplishing the task that's more fulfilling than the check they give. Now, you got to pay me now. Don't get it twisted. But uh, when I've under identified my burden, I'm understanding that it's beyond just payment in the natural. I get payment on the inside that you can't even see and understand. Touch your neighbor again and say, what's your burden? Amos, his name means, Harry Shaw, his name means burden. That's what his name means, burden. Uh, and God called him, he is a country boy. He's a country boy that lives in a town called Tekoa in Judah. I need you to understand some Bible history here for a moment. Uh, Israel has been divided between two kingdoms. There's the northern kingdom, that's called Israel. The southern kingdom, that's called Judah. The northern kingdom is called Israel. The southern kingdom is called Judah. They've been divided. You know, it was 12 tribes in Israel. Y'all remember that? The 12 tribes in Israel was divided. 10 tribes went to the top in the northern kingdom. Two tribes in the bottom called the southern kingdom or Judah. So the northern kingdom was called what? Israel. Good class. The southern kingdom was called Judah. Ten, ten of the tribes stayed in the top in Israel. The two tribes that went to the southern kingdom was Judah and Benjamin. Those are the two tribes of the southern kingdom. And so you have now Amos, a country boy who lived in a town of Tekoa in the southern kingdom, Judah. Watch this. But the word that God gave him uh, was to the northern kingdom in Israel. Watch this. He's in the southern kingdom in the smallest part called Judah is only two tribes here but his assignment is to all Israel Somebody missed it. He's from a little country town called Tekoa on at the bottom. Nobody knows him, recognizes him. He's from the small parts, but he's assigned to the major part. I'm trying to help someone to understand this in the room that you cannot identify your assignment because of where you're presently located. Because even though you're in a small part, you're going to affect a major part. Oh God. Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, you may look like you're small now but you're going to affect something major. The assignment for seven screamers in the room that God has given you is not just to a little old mamsy pansy little thing over there but what you're going to affect is going to affect a larger picture, a greater vicinity, hallelujah where people's lives are going to be changed. 
His assignment was to Israel. Listen up very clearly. Watch this. His assignment was to Israel, and God sent him out of his little country town. He was a man of simple means. He didn't like. He didn't need a lot of money. He was a country boy. Y'all know country folk. They don't need a lot of money. They don't need a lot of uppity to do. They don't. You know, they good with a tractor and a little field to plant some collard greens or something. They just good. He was a country boy. Any country folks in here? Who country? Y'all country? Okay. He was a country boy. It didn't mean he didn't have class. He was just country. It didn't mean he was ignorant. Watch this. It just means he was country. He's from the country parts. Because when you read the book of Amos, it describes his literary abilities. Because he was very crafty. He was very poetic. He had great literary abilities even though he was from the south. Even though he was country. But he had an assignment. My God, he had a mandate. Look at your neighbor and says, don't confuse me by taking a look at me. Tell him my mandate is bigger than what meets the eye. I need somebody to really grab somebody and shake them real hard like you're going to shake them out the blue chair and say, don't confuse what you see uh, to match my assignment. My assignment is greater than my no name brand shoes. <laughs> my assignment is great I don't need to have on Gucci and Prada so it can identify that I have a great assignment yeah, I don't need to have the name brands and gold and silver wrapped around my neck because some people are confusing the fact hallelujah that if you don't have the fineries then you're not called to the fineries <laughs> some people think that if you don't have the latest brand then you cannot affect the culture of the world let me help some of you the truth is, God is not using the folks who's got the labels on the back of their collars. He's using the individuals who walk around and we don't know the name of your shoes. We don't know where you bought the, that shirt from. We don't know where you got those pants from. But there is an oil on your life that affects something major in my life. Can I help 20 of y'all? Stop breaking your bank account to impress people that you are assigned to. Because your clothes... Is it's not assigned to them. The word is assigned to them. Hallelujah. Your outfit is not assigned to them. Hallelujah to God. It's what God put on the inside of you that's assigned to them. You're trying to convert people with an outfit, but you haven't converted them with your heart. I see what you're wearing, but your heart is jacked up. I see what you got on, but your heart is murky and dirty. Oh, God, I ain't preaching this church in a long time. I'm feeling good already. Are you understanding? It's not your clothing. It's your mandate. Could it be? Oh, God, I know I'm up for the episcopacy, and they about to consecrate me and lay hands on me. But could it be uh, that some of these robes investments are doing nothing but covering up the murkiness of one's heart? Could it be that you want us to perceive that you're anointed because of the regalia that you have on, because of all of the vestments and the garments you have on, but it's covering up the real lifestyle and the characteristics that you have? Because let me help some of y'all. Purple shirts don't cast out devils. Robes, shamirs, and minders don't get rid of your enemy in your life. You got to have an oil that is beyond your clothing. We got on collars this morning, but these collars don't mean a hill of beans. When on Wednesday afternoon, the devil just hit my house. You got to have something that's more powerful than a backwards collar. You got to have a prayer life. You got to have character, and you got to have power with God. 
look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, it's beyond what you wear. It's what you got. Amos had something. He had a word from the Lord. And he began to prophesy. And God sent him to Israel. Y'all with me? Pay attention. He sent him to Israel, to the northern kingdom. He said, country boy, I want you to travel up there. And I want you to tell them the word of the Lord. Here's the word of the Lord. Tell Israel to repent. Oh my. He said, tell them to repent. And Amos began to prophesy, watch this, destruction. He prophesied that God was going to send destruction to Israel. Now, nobody wants to get a word of destruction. Nobody wants to hear that God about to bust all this up and tear everything up. Nobody wants to hear a prophecy of doom and gloom. Watch this. Not only did he prophesy this, but he prophesied it in a time when Israel was doing good. They was doing well materialistically. They was doing good with possessions. They had all the gold and the silver. The northern kingdom had it going on. It was popping, y'all. Everybody driving around in Rolls Royce chariots. Everybody had on Prada sandals. Everybody, come on, look at you, had on the Gucci uh, throwbacks. Everybody had it on. I mean, everybody was getting paid. It was during a strong materialistic time during Israel's reign under the kingship or the rulership of Jeroboam who was one of the kings who led Israel in great expansion and much prosperity and then all of a sudden from the south God sends this prophet by the name of Amos and tells him to prophesy that they gotta repent or God's gonna destroy everything that they possess why we gotta repent here we go and I'm gonna really make y'all mad you gotta repent because after you got all the stuff you prayed for you have made your stuff your God oh God they don't want to hear this God but I'm going to tell it anyway Amos said y'all got to repent because you made your car your God you made your jewelry your God you have made this stuff your God and you have walked away from him because all of your trust has now been upon your accoutrement and all of the fancy and fineries that you have and you no longer trust in the Lord and I'm here to tell crumb ministries on this first Sunday of November of 2019 that you gotta keep your trust and faith in God and not your stuff can you help me grab your neighbor because they're trying to fall asleep on me and shake them like you're gonna shake them out of that blue chair and say hey neighbor don't you make your stuff your God because God will take your stuff and make you get on your face ah God you gotta be a worshiper even if you got a $2,000 outfit on. You got to be a worshiper even if you're making $100,000 a year. You got to be a worshiper even if you got everything you prayed for. You got to remind yourself who is your God. Because we have made ourselves God. We have become idolatrous. 
we have, oh, I know you don't like it. We have become idolatrous, and it's so easy to be an idol worshiper. Hallelujah. It's easy, because I know some of us, we so saved, and we so sanctified. I heard a preacher say this week, he says, uh, we like the children who create their own report cards. We grade ourselves and give ourselves an A. Oh, I'm good. I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied every groan. Long as I live in trouble, rise, I'll hasten to his throne. Oh, we will always give ourselves a good grade. But if God grades you, what is it that you put before him? What is it that you worship more than him? What is it that you would sacrifice greater than you would sacrifice for God? Some of us treat our jobs as God. Don't look at me like that. I ain't scared of you. You treat your job as God. Let that job tell you that you can't go to church and you can't go to prayer and you gotta be here and you gotta come here and help and check in and do this, that, or the other. You'll say, okay. You'll go and you'll get there and you'll do whatever they require you because you know why? Because you convince yourself, I need my job because I gotta pay my bills. Well, I thought the Lord was the source of your strength and the strength of your life. I thought that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But as soon as your job tell your God to back up, you say, okay, look at y'all. You're mad, but I ain't scared because you made your job your God. Some of us make our family our God. Your children are your God. Your marriages are your God. Hallelujah. Some folks don't come to church. I'm going to make you mad, but I like this job. You come to church not because you're running after God. You're running after a man. You're trying to see who in there. What number I could get. You didn't dress up for Jesus today. You dress up so he can see your thigh. You just come. No, can I talk like I'm talking? You come here for a hookup. Hallelujah. Some, some of y'all g- girls got to watch out because it's so easy easy to want a husband so bad that the desire of a husband is greater than the desire of your God. You got to be very careful that the desire of marriage here on earth does not outweigh the desire of marriage in glory with the king of kings and the lord of lords. And it ain't just the women, it's the men too. Y'all got to behave yourself. You got to watch out for some of these jokers who always in your face, down your thread line and on your text messages. Hallelujah. They're not just trying to be nice for nothing. He all whispering in your ear because he trying to get them cookies. But you got to watch out because he on the prowl. He ain't here just to worship God. He here to find him somebody who's going to stand by his side. And I'm not talking about a wife either. I'm talking about a side piece like a KFC meal. He's looking for a two-piece. Two pieces of thighs, two pieces of breast, two pieces of... Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I know what I'm saying. You better watch it because you're going to be somebody's two-piece or God's one-piece. you got to understand who you are. He's looking for a two-piece. And you ain't nothing but a two-piece. Come on here. You ain't nothing but thighs, breasts, wings, and a biscuit. You got to be careful because you'd rather be whole in God than to be somebody's two-piece. Yeah. 
And because you're so desperate and you may want the husband be a god, you taking that nonsense, you listen to that nonsense. You can't even tell that joker broke. He missing three teeth. He got a limp in his left leg. Come on here. He got three baby mamas. You can't even see that because you want a husband so bad that you overlook all his flaws, dilemmas, issues, and his insanity because you want to be a two-piece. Look at what you would settle for when God is no longer your God. Look at what you would compromise when God is no longer your God. Look at what you would entertain when God is no longer your God. And what has happened in the body of Christ is we have worshipped everything except God. We even worship our preachers. Good Jesus. I have a problem crown mistress. And while we on this road to Episcopacy, we're going to do this thing and we're going to do it right, Pastor Moore. I'm telling you, we're going to honor the Lord with it. But I promise y'all, if you dare shout for me more than you shout for God, I'm going to throw that robe at you, put it around your neck, and hang you with it. I promise you. I'm going to take that big ring they give me and punch you right in the eye. Because you will not worship Jonathan Shaw more than you worship Jesus Christ. I promise you, don't you ever scream louder for me than you do for Jesus. I'm not your God. And pastors are okay with that because within themselves they are narcissistic and egotistical and insecure and don't nobody celebrate them. So they need a title because their name ain't no good. But when your name is good, you don't need a title. I don't care if y'all call me bishop, apostle, prophet, or that Negro over there. I know what I got. I know what I carry. And I know my mandate because my name is great. Slap your neighbor and say, don't make your pastor your God. I ain't your God. I ain't your God. We worship our pastors. We worship our churches. Lord, help us. We worship our worship. We worship our cultural expression and our style because we go in on this song. Ain't no place like it in the world because we it's so idolatrous. Where it's not after God. You don't have to have a special song to get to your father. You don't have to have a special singer to get to your father. You should get to your father if nobody is singing. You should get to your God if the song doesn't play. You should get to your God if the musicians don't show up. You should get to your God if your pastor don't show up. You should get to your God. If nobody get in here, that's why some of y'all going to be jacked up by God. Because when you know I'm on a plane somewhere, you don't come to church. Because you ain't here for God, you're here for Jonathan Shaw. Hallelujah. But you got to get it right with God. Because God says I'm coming back for a church that only worships me and not the stuff I give them. Your pastor is a gift God gave you, not your God. I'm a gift, not a God. I like that. Tweet that for me. I'm a gift, not a God. I'm a gift, not a God. That's a t-shirt I'm going to put on my line this week. I'm a gift, not a God. Because we got to be very careful. Because when you have somebody that's insecure, they want to be your God. It won't stop you when you worship them. Amos said, repent. Because you made all the things God blessed you with your God. And God said, I'm going to destroy. He prophesied destruction. He said, God said, I'm going to jack this up. Now, nobody ever thinks, watch this, negativity is the word of the Lord. Uh See how they looked at me? 
Because they said, if it's prophecy, it's supposed to exalt, edify, and build up. But guess what? There's nothing more building than correction. There is nothing more edifying than putting error in its place. Uh, how can you build with error in place? You're not building. You're stroking egos. You're not building. You're not helping me if I'm going in the wrong direction and you rubbing my shoulder so I keep going, keep going. You're not encouraging me. That's not a help. I need somebody to tell me, turn around and fix that. Because we don't think that correction is prophetic. Wow. We call correction abuse. Wow. We say it's church hurt. Jesus. And we don't realize that I'm trying to edify you. I'm trying to build you. I'm trying to grow you. And when I mark your paper, if you got the answer wrong, I got to put an X on it because it's not right. And we got to stop smoothing over right, wrong, and saying that it's right. Amos said, I don't care how rich y'all are because you can't buy this profit. He went to Israel prophesying to them. They had money, glitz, and glamour. He said, but you can't buy this prophet because I'm not impressed by y'all stuff. I come from the country. You give me a tractor trailer and I'm good. He says, I don't care about y'all chariots. I don't care about y'all sandals. I don't care about these tents that y'all built up. I don't care about all this gold. This, and this is what God is doing. He's raising up prophets that's not persuaded by possessions. He's raising up prophets that don't care about the size of the honorarium and the size of the offering you give me because if you don't give a dime to me God's still going to take care of me because before you decide to give me a check he said I'm going to take care of you and I'll supply your needs and so you got to understand that you now need a prophet that cannot be paid you need a prophet that is compensated by his obedience and not by honorarium Amos said, you can't buy me. I'm almost through. He said, you can't buy me. I've got to tell you, they was mad at him. Watch this. He prophesied he's a counter prophet to people like Hosea. Uh, he prophesied during the times of Hosea. He prophesied during the times of Micah, Isaiah. He's prophesying with these other guys. So, so uh, they're all saying the same kind of stuff, but they don't want to receive Amos because he's saying God destroying this. Destruction is coming. Destruction is coming because you need to repent. You need to turn around. You're running after stuff. Oh, God. And you're going after the things, and God is not pleased. Can I help some of you? Uh, I talked about it last week. Let me put some structure to it. You know why some of us battle with disappointment in our lives? Because our expectation is in the wrong stuff. You battle with disappointment in your life and discouragement is because you're chasing the wrong things. And you think if you have the success labels of society, then you've arrived and you made it. So you're trying to get a job that pays you $75,000 a year and ain't nothing wrong with that. And you're trying to get a car and ain't nothing wrong with that. And you're trying to get a house and ain't nothing wrong with that either. But the truth is when that stuff and the chasing of it becomes your focus, your goal, and your aim, and your God, 
then it becomes a problem. And what the Lord is speaking to us today is he says, my people have heard a message preached and have heard a prophesy, prophecy given to them that's only about materialistic gain. <laughs> and what we don't realize that the Lord opened up my eyes this week, Robin, when we was in the inner presence gathering and I saw something that I never saw before because crown, y'all spoiled. <laughs> Oh God, I don't know if daddy should come home with this kind of message. Y'all are spoiled. And I didn't realize that y'all are spoiled because I'm spoiled. Oh, help me, Jesus. Uh, let me let me tell you what I mean by that. We come in here and we stumble on God's presence by accident. Hallelujah. You let Minister Smith strike a chord. You let Benaya get in the rhythm. You let Pastor Sabrina grab that microphone. We strip over into the presence of God by mistake. What most churches can't do on purpose. And we got a worship and a presence in here that is undeniable. It's almost like sometimes up in here, y'all, you can do this to the atmosphere and feel God. It gets thick. It gets moist. Sometimes there's a kind of glow will come in this church and we spoiled and we sit in this little hot box on Goodwood Road and we just as spoiled as we can be because we got all the answers because we got his presence. The worship is ridiculous. The worship is insane and we ain't worshiping stuff. We really worship God and he really walks in here but there are so many churches that's dancing right now and having a Facebook praise break that with all the dance ain't no presence with all that shout he ain't nowhere in the room and they don't even know it because they think their dance is his presence they're speaking in tongues and don't even know God ain't in there they're falling out and foaming at the mouth and they have no discernment to even identify that this ain't him this is emotions Because I go to church to say, we going to have church. And so they came up in their mind that we had church because we danced. We had church because we shouted. We had church because our pastor, our bishop, our apostle, our chief pontentate squalled and hollered and took off his tie and took off his robe. So we really had church when none of those are identifiers that the presence of God is in the room and so we worship worship we worship church we worship bishops and prophets and apostles but there's no real move of God and we've gotten so spoiled that God says that if you don't learn to cherish what I'm giving you I'm gonna cause a famine in your land where there's gonna be a void of what you've been blessed with because you don't know how to value it to the level that I sent it And so now what has occurred is because the body of Christ has shifted from the presence of God to the performance for God. We have shifted from the presence of God to the performance for God has become our 
knew God. What he says now is that you're in the trouble. So what he did was he sent something in the earth. And I'm not sure if real prophets, preachers, and pastors got it and understood it. That God sent about two years ago a word famine in our land. And because they prophesied, don't mean it's the word of God. Because they say thus saith the Lord does not mean y'all that God actually said it because now we call warlocks prophets we call soothsayers prophets and they don't prophesy the word of the Lord they prophesy your emotions they tap into your feelings and say she looked desperate like she want a husband so I tell you thus saith the Lord I hear wedding bells and in the next 21 months you're going to walk down the aisle and be married and she shouts screams and falls out not because God said it but because I'm a warlock and I tapped in your emotions I can tell what you want because I learned how to read your emotions so the stuff we're hearing is not the word of the Lord it's the word of emotions and feelings it's a word according to our own lustful desires. And we think it's him and it's not even him. We have been in a word famine. I'm nervous now what people call good preaching. so concerned. I ain't jealous. Oh, please. If you know me, you know me. I ain't jealous. But I'm concerned when only 30, few, maybe 40 folks get on my live. But when somebody who can't even read or write get on, there's a thousand, two hundred people with lifted hands with Glory to God's. Wait, which God? I'm not jealous. I don't care if five people get on. It don't matter to me. But what happens is there's such a word famine that people will say something as the word of God and it's junk food. There's such a word famine that we now make Chinese food Thanksgiving meals. It don't hold you. It don't keep you. It give you diarrhea and bubble guts. It messes with you. Because they cook the chicken in the same grease as the fish. is the same grease as the... It's all cooked in the same oil. It's all mixed with contaminated oil. And you don't know what pure oil tastes like. And if you had a real meal, you wouldn't know how to appreciate it. Because you're so used to mixed oil. You're so used to contaminated oil. That you don't even have the palate of something that's pure. And something that's sacred. Because you've been in a word famine. And when you think you're getting fat, you're malnourished. 
because it's supposed to be that if I eat, I get fat. But why am I eating and I still look anorexic? I'm eating, but I ain't gained no weight. I'm eating, but I ain't strong enough. You know why? Because something is eating at your core. And when you're eating, but it's not sticking to you, there's an internal tapeworm that's eating away at the nourishments of you. Because you're eating the wrong kind of diet. You're taking the wrong kind of stuff. Why am I eating? And I still cannot get delivered. Why have you been in this church and you still sleeping around with Tom, Dick, and Harry? Why are you in this ministry and you still ain't free from the demon that you walk in here with? Why aren't you changed by now? Why aren't you free by now? Because you're eating the wrong food. You still messy? After all of this? What are you eating? You still a gossiper? After all of this? What are you eating? You still warring with that level of faith? What are you eating? Because you think you should be fat by now. But because there's been a word famine, you haven't feasted on the manna from heaven. You feasted on the plates of your Pharaoh. And Amos, gotta go 10 minutes. Amos prophesied destruction. God said, I'm gonna tear this up. I'm gonna jack up your money. I'm gonna jack up your job. I'm gonna jack up your income. I'm gonna bust up your relationships. Everything you put in front of me, I'm gonna kill it. Anything you put before me and made your God, I'm going to take it out of your way. I'm so desperate for you that I'm going to remove everything that you put before me. That's why you got to be careful what you put before God. Because anything you put in front of God, you obligate God to kill it. He said, I killed it because you made me do it. Because you put it in front of me. You put it before me. It became your priority. And Amos prophesied until earthquakes came. He prophesied to destruction came to Israel. He prophesied until things, anybody in this room for the last couple of years been feeling things jacking up in your life. Been feeling like things been removed moved, people stabbing you in your back, people talking about you and betraying, anybody been feeling that but me? Anybody been feeling like I pray hard and get less? Anybody been feeling like I've been toiling and toiling and not making no progress? Because some of us secretly worship success we worship it so bad that we go after success we pray successful prayers we pray the prayers of success God make me big make me large make me successful and he said you worship success so I stagnate your success until your chase is after me he's trying to change our palate he's trying to change our taste buds to say I desire you to desire me and when you desire me then your desires are in the right place he said delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart some of us thought that mean that if we tell God what we want he'll just simply give it to us that's not what that text means that text means when you put your heart in the posture of humility when you call yourself a servant without a title he says then I'm going to tell your heart what it's supposed to desire God help us we told God what we would desire but we never let God tell our heart what to desire so you got the man because you desired him but 
but you never let God tell your heart what kind of man you supposed to desire. So that's why you got what you want. You got the job you want because your heart desired it. But you never told God, tell my heart what kind of job to desire. And that's why you struggling to get paid and living paycheck to paycheck. Because he never spoke to your heart and told your heart what to want. But God said, I'm a jack of everything that your heart wants until your heart wants what I want it to want. Are y'all still paying attention? Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, I'm tired of just going after stuff. Tell them I want what God wants me to want. Y'all ain't saying it loud enough. Holler at your neighbor like you're preaching and say, I'm tired of talling all night. I want what God wants me to want. And that's all I want. All I want is what he wants me to want. So that my desires are fixed according to my purpose, my destiny, and my assignment. He prophesied destruction. But prophets move after all the destruction, after all the golden chariots were destroyed, after the Rolls Royce chariots were jacked up, after the clothes burned up, after the Gucci sandals were consumed. That wasn't the worst of the prophecy. The worst of the prophecy from Amos came in chapter number eight. That was the climax of the worst of destruction. When he prophesied to them and told them that there will now be a famine of the word of the Lord. Woo. The worst part was, I can't get no word. And I'm searched all over him. Can't find a word from God. Searched all over him. Can't find what I need from the Lord. Because the Lord has decided to remove all the real prophets and hit them and won't let them speak to us. So they went from the north to the east looking for a word. Why does one have to go to three services on a Sunday? looking for a word what didn't happen in the first one that didn't satisfy you because it wasn't any word there why are you looking for a word from the lord what are you not getting why are you looking for another lover when you haven't embraced the one that you have because it's not satisfying you come here john the baptist he's sitting up in jail told his disciples disciples go out there and tell this guy Jesus are you the one or should we look after another one what happened to John that said that thou art the Christ who takes away the sins of the world what happened to his palate when he got arrested what happened to his appetite when he's locked in jail that no longer he is satisfied that Jesus is the Lamb of God he thinks he's got to look for something else and I found out something that even when you got what you need oh god help us when you don't fill yourself up with it then you desire stuff that you do not need Take your time with that one, Shaw, because they got to swallow that one. That was, that was, you didn't, you didn't cut that meat up. You got to cut it up small so they can swallow it. Watch this. If you don't fill yourself up with what he gives you, you're going to desire what he's refrained from you. 
if you do not get full of what he's provided, you start longing after things that he has rejected. If you don't love your spouse and love on your mate, they're going to look for another lover who will give them satisfaction. Okay, can I pull it? Come here, Genesis. The Bible says in Genesis, Adam and Eve, God said you can eat all of these trees, all of this fruit is yours, except the tree that's in the middle of the garden. The knowledge of good and eat, don't touch that tree. That tree belongs to me. They went to the tree, and after a conversation with the serpent, desired something that was denied. But if you got full of all the other trees, you would have had no hunger for the tree that's been denied. You know why you want more? Because you didn't get full of the plate we served you and so you're looking for a word because you didn't consume what God provided come on can I go back in your childhood you can't have dessert till you eat them greens on your plates you have to first eat the greens before you get the dessert and some of y'all want ice cream and cake but you didn't eat your spinach how are you going to live off Halloween candy when God's trying to give you nourishment that's going to keep you? Because you can't live off dessert. The worst of the prophecy was, five minutes and I'm through, was that there will be no more word. And we have been, ladies and gentlemen, in a word famine. <laughs> it's been such a lack of the word it's all over it's on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram they preaching it everywhere but they're not rightly dividing the word of truth there's a word famine and because people don't study their word for themselves they don't even know that this ain't God saying this stuff because you don't study his word, slap your neighbor and say that's why you gotta get in your word cause you gotta know when God is talking there's been a word famine now let me correct this and say it so you understand it, let me get full completion to it. I'm not saying that we are the only ones that have it. And I'm suggesting that there's not other real prophets in the land. But what I am saying is the ones that really have it are hated and rejected. <laughs> Watch it when everybody starts speaking vile of a preacher. Hallelujah. Without data and information. It could be because the words from that prophet's mouth is hated by the palate of people who are carnal. And because they don't know how to tap into the spirit, they can't even tell this is the word of the Lord because they're so fleshly minded and carnal. Hallelujah. But it is the preacher who serves you what you want, whose restaurant is full. The preacher who tickles your fancy and tells you what you want to hear. Got jam packed churches every Sunday. But the preachers who say what God is saying is either hated or rejected. Can I talk to seven screamers? Do not concern yourself in this season when you're hated and rejected. It could be because you have a word that the people presently don't have a palate for. And God got to fix the palate before he takes you further. Hallelujah to our God. Stop looking at the popularity contest and trying to be famous. God said, I don't want you famous. I want you effective. Even if that's with five people... 5,000 or 500,000. He says, I want you effective, not famous. 
And because there was a famine, they couldn't find a word. They couldn't find a word. They couldn't find a word. They couldn't find. I'm telling y'all, I don't know. I don't know about y'all, but I would hate to be in a place where I can't hear God. I don't even care if God is jacking me up. I don't care if he rebuking me. I don't care if he's convicting me. As long as he's still talking to me. Come on. There's comfort in conviction. Hallelujah. Because it means he still loves me. I'd rather be chasing by God than chasing after something that ain't God. Hallelujah. There wasn't any word in chapter number eight. We got to go. But in chapter number nine. God says now you've been void of my word he flipped it and turned it and after a season Pastor Stephen Allen where there was no word God's had Amos to prophesy that he was now going to restore and what I love about that is this that Psalms 30 and 5 says his anger endured but for a moment and in his favor is life then it says weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning because what the text is suggesting to us is that God will get angry with us but behind his anger is going to be a word of restoration and in chapter number 9 of Amos that everybody loved the quote and tote because it talks about blessing upon blessings upon blessings and he's going to bless you so good it's going to make your head spin that you got to know that what precedes that word is a word of famine that there is no more word from the Lord and after God had that season to endure a moment he turned around and said in chapter number 9 verse number 11 of Amos Sean you got to go sit down he said but in that day well I raise up the tabernacle of David my God I can't go further he said I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David I've caused first a word famine but to reverse the word famine and get you back where you're supposed to be the thing that I'm going to raise or resurrect is the tabernacle of David what is the tabernacle of David the tabernacle of David is when David took the ark of the covenant from the house of Obed Edom and said I gotta bring it back to Jerusalem and David said this is not about regalia it's not about vestments and robes it's about my posture of worship he took off all of his robes and regalia put on his priestly ephod and said before I was the king I was a little shepherd boy a worshiper in my daddy's field that before I had a title or a backwards collar I was a worshiper and God says the tabernacle of David is the tabernacle that says I want the presence of God by any means necessary even if I gotta strip myself I'll strip myself just to have the presence of God and the Lord says when I reverse the word famine the first thing I'm gonna resurrect is your worship that's gonna bring back in my presence crown ministries hear the word of the Lord that God says we are responsible to be glory carriers and we've got to bring the glory the presence of God back where it belongs back in the house of God where we don't worship people and stuff but we worship God and God alone do me a favor get out of your seats and go tell fine folks bring the glory back bring the presence back
bring the glory of God back in the house of God to the point now that God can speak from eternity. He can speak from his throne room. Grab somebody. Grab them by the hand and say, neighbor, God about to reverse the curse. God about to flip the script. And he's about to give you your greatest desire. Slap somebody and say, God about to answer your prayer. God's about to redeem you. God's going to do it, Sean. He's not going to give you a money. He's not going to give you a new house. I ain't prophesying no car. I ain't prophesying no raise of salary. But for 17 screamers, the way God about to bless us is he's about to give us himself. He's about to give us himself. Grab somebody and say, The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added. Tell your neighbor, I want him. I want God. I don't need the glitch, I don't need the glamour, but I'm one God. Turn around the three folks, say you can have this whole world, but give me, give me Jesus, give me the man from Galilee, give me the man that set you free, I gotta close y'all, good afternoon to you, let's go have brunch together, but lean on somebody sitting beside you and say neighbor, silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have, give I to thee, all I got is Jesus, the promise keeper, the way maker, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, the lily of the valley, bright and morning star, get out your seats, tell five people, I want Jesus, I want him, so bad, I'll do anything just to get them. I cut folks off. I walk away from things. I want, I want Jesus. I'm tired of being in a famine. I'm tired of being dry. I want, I want, I want Jesus. Somebody right back and say, I want him. I want him. Do you want a crown? Shares! Shares! Yeah! Oh. I want him. I want him. I want him. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would love for you to do two things. One, subscribe to our show so you can receive notification of our most recent messages. Also, if this message has impacted you, you can click the link in the description and you can give now. We'll connect with you next time on Crown Ministries Podcast.